0: The first thing that I wanted to uh, point out here is the problem. I have three simple points. The problem, the problem behind the problem, and God's solution to the problem. So the problem. The problem is outlined there in uh, verse 6. You have sown much and bring in little. So what is the problem? The way I summarize it is um we're not making a dent that's the problem that's the way i'm just summarizing verse 6 we are not making a dent we are sowing much and we're bringing in very little uh if you want to take it in the context of sowing the seed sowing the word you know there's there's more sermons being broadcast out there i mean i can say this because you know with sermon audio we have millions of sermons being pushed out through our pipes every month. And so there's more sermons being broadcast out there, probably maybe than ever before in the history of our world. Is that is that a fair thing to say? Possibly. But not just through us, but through all the other ministries that are out there. There is a lot of sowing going on. There's a lot of distribution of, of good Bible material, good even Bibles themselves. Gospels of John, lots of uh, Bible societies out there that are they're sowing the seed, and that's a good thing. There's a lot of sowing going on, books, sermons, ministries, you name it, but it seems like there is so little being brought back in, um, and this is where I want to start bringing your attention to things that I've been seeing, I'm sure you've been seeing as well, but um Recently, there's been seemingly an escalation of news that that are like alarm bells going off. Uh, one such piece of news, an NYU New York university student suspended for saying that a man is a man, and a woman is a woman, and a man cannot be a, a woman, and a woman cannot be a man. It's just a statement of fact. He put it out there on social media, and he was suspended for saying so. Things of that nature. Why, are, why aren't we making a dent on society? We see all this going out, and yet our society is just getting more and more corrupt. In our own government here, uh, we have a lot going on with this equality bill, um, which is a very heinous thing. And we had some congressmen try to take a stand, and they're saying that this goes against God's laws, it goes against God's word. It goes against God's order. And you have uh, Senator uh, Jerry Nadler, he responds, retorts by saying, God's will is no concern of this Congress. So he basically shuts him down. Uh, you have something like this transgender movement going on that is, is really overtaking the Western world in a bad way. And this is the clip that I want to play for you. This is Rand Paul. He's one of our senators, and he's trying to bring some sanity into this conversation. And just take a listen. It's just a minute long here.
1: Let it go into the record that the witness refused to answer the question. The question is a very specific one. Should minors be making these momentous decisions? For most of the history of medicine, we wouldn't let you have a cut sewn up in the ER. But you're willing to let a minor take things that prevent their puberty, and you think they get that back? You give a woman testosterone enough that she grows a beard, you think she's going to go back looking like a woman when you stop the testosterone? You have permanently changed them. Infertility is another problem. None of these drugs have been approved for this. They're all being used off-label. I find it ironic that the left that went nuts over hydroxychloroquine being used possibly for COVID are not alarmed that these hormones are being used off-label. There's no long-term studies. We don't know what happens to them. We do know that there are... Dozens and dozens of people have been through this who, who regret that this happened and a permanent change happened to them. And, you know, if you've ever been around children, 14-year-olds can't make this decision. In the gender dysphoria clinic in England, 10% of the kids are between the ages of 3 and 10. We should be outraged that someone's talking to a 3-year-old about changing their sex. I can't thank, vote for thank, you if you can't Thank make you so much, Senator Paul. This. Senator...
0: So that's the clip that I wanted to play for you, and it's, it's very disturbing and it's very sad, but the, the most disturbing and sad thing to me is if you look at the, the, the news reports and the responses to this exchange that they had, these were some of the headlines. Rand Paul's ignorant questioning shows why we need this, this person. Rachel Levin is her name. Shows why we need... Rachel Levin in government. And this is the one who's transgender. That's who he was directing his comments toward. This, this is, It's a man, but she it, it became a woman. And it's clearly a man still, though. But they're calling Rand Paul's comments ignorant. And another one, Rand Paul accused of transphobic attack. Rand Paul's absurd criticism. Uh, Rachel faced a transphobic tirade. And so there's hardly a reasonable response to this uh, exchange that took place there. So to me, the sad thing is not just so much that we're even having this conversation, but the response is is even more egregious. And um, if this goes through, this person, Rachel Levin, would be the highest-ranking transgender official in federal government. And she would be over... It, in Health and Human Services, a an secret, assistant secretary to the Health and Human Services. It's it's really uh, quite an outrage. But all that to say that we haven't made a dent in society, even with all of our sowing. And it's sad to me. And it's uh, something that we should stop and consider our ways, as the Lord says. But here's the problem behind the problem. This is my second point. Uh, the problem behind the problem. The problem behind the problem is in verse 4, in Haggai chapter 1, it says, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Speaking about when the people of God were saying, it's not time. The time has not come. It's not time that the Lord's house should be built. Well, is it time for you to be sitting at home, basically, while God's house, God's kingdom, lies waste? And I'd just like to say that The problem behind the problem is that we have adopted a kind of a carnal, easy Christianity. It's a convenient Christianity, a Christianity that suits us. We're sitting at home, and it's all revolved around us and our comforts and very little consideration for God's kingdom. I was having a conversation with my daughter Katie last night, uh, just just one of these... uh, casual conversations with her asking her how school was going she goes to bob jones university and there's from time to time she has to take uh, her classes online if she if she falls sick or something she has to go on into online mode and i just asked her about that how do you like online school versus you know going into school and she basically said that uh, she obviously does not like it she does not like it and i said well why don't you like it well things like this she was saying that it doesn't seem as important because you know you just sort of roll out of bed and you click on a thing and then and then you can take your class and um, you know versus uh, getting up, getting dressed, getting showered, getting breakfast, getting in a car, getting to that physical location and sitting down with other people, it seems like uh, you're taking uh, the value away from something when it's just too easy. Um, it doesn't seem to matter as much when it's that easy. And I was thinking about that, you know, when, when we have far too much convenience, no matter what it is, I mean, just take something as simple as fast food, very convenient, you're getting your food, it's done in seconds. When it's too convenient, the value of it goes way down. Um, fast food versus, let's say, farm to food, or even going into a restaurant that where you have to have a waiter and there's a little bit more of a process, the 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 more convenient something is, the value goes way down, and and you just apply that to anything in life, Uh, whether it's with school, whether it's with handmade things versus mass-produced things. You know, I have this pen here in front of me. This pen, you can't hardly see it, but this pen came from South Africa. This pen was made by um, Angela's husband. It's a beautiful piece of wood here that was carved, and um, it 's been made into a pen, and this was expensive to produce because it was handmade and it came all the way from there. I could buy a pen for under a penny or for pennies let 's say, but this here was expensive to produce, and it 's because it was not mass produced it was done by hand and so there is a sense where things that are things that are more convenient have less value. This is the only point i 'm trying to make, and this is true for our Christianity unfortunately. And it's becoming more and more true. I'm not going to get into all the controversy of online here, necessarily. But I just want us to be at least stopping and thinking about if we, if we make everything about our Christian life too convenient, it's going to have less value. This is why I'm grateful for these prayer meetings. It's inconvenient for us to come here every single day. It's very inconvenient for me uh, for many of you, we all have things to do to stop everything in the middle of the day and to take a, an hour like this. It's very inconvenient to go into a car to church, to get dressed, to get ready, uh, and, and to go to church worshiping. That's inconvenient, and yet there's value in that. There's value in what we're doing here today. There is value in 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 going to church, in going to school, and in, in doing things that are less convenient um, in our Bible reading. Sometimes we make our Bible readings way too convenient, whether we just throw it up on our phone, in our app, or on the, on the, we're driving along and we just, okay, we, we've done our Bible reading. We don't just sit down and say, I'm going to close the door. This is the time that I'm going to read the Bible. We have to get away from this idea of convenient Christiani- Christianity. But God's solution, quickly, God's solution to the problem is inconvenient christianity look at Haggai chapter 1 verse 8 look at what the lord says these details are important he says go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house doesn't just say build the house he actually says you're going to have to go up that mountain you're going to have to chop down those trees you're going to have to get all the materials it's going to take time it's going to take effort and then build the house bring the wood go up the mountain, build the house. Essentially, we're talking about a focus on the house of God, a focus on the kingdom of God, a focus on God's business. Matthew 6.33 comes to mind where it says that um, uh, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Basically is what we're talking about people running to their own houses versus seeking first the kingdom of God. And what is this house that God is asking us to build? We have to at least uh, get that part of it right. There's a couple of thoughts here. Obviously, we're talking about, well, one aspect would be the house of prayer, which is what we're doing here uh, in Isaiah. It says there in Isaiah chapter 56, verse 7, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Of course, the Lord Jesus reiterated the same thing in Matthew 21. A house of prayer. Rebuilding the house. A house of prayer. And it's going to be very inconvenient for us to do that. That clip that I was mentioning that uh, my sister sent me of Leonard Ravenhill, he was talking about a church that really is serious about revival. They need to have prayer meetings. He was going so far as to say they need to have daily prayer meetings. Very inconvenient. But we need to rebuild the house of prayer. And it may be inconvenient for us to do so. But there's also a sense where God's house is, as it says in First Peter 2 verse 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house. So it constitutes God's people themselves. Putting our time and our focus, our energy into God's people. And that could be our own families, by the way, our spouses, our children, but God's people in the church. The House of God is not a physical uh, building we're talking about god's people God's church take time with your family take time with god's family the church the house of God and then of course it refers to the house of God's worship you know this is um this is again something that can be controversial but it cannot just be forever and ever by the way I know what that we're in a strange time here, but it cannot forever and ever be online. Okay. And this is coming from somebody who, this is coming from me. It cannot be 100% forever and ever online. There must be a gathering together of God's people. If it's online, it's too easy. It's too cheap. As Puyan says, he's on the call here. He calls it pajama Christianity. And that's exactly what it is. We just roll out of bed. We're not hardly dressed. And we just, we just click in and we think we did church. It, we we cannot we cannot fall into that trap of of convenient Christianity. I'm going to go ahead now and read a Tozer quote that I want to uh, leave with you. And I'll run through this, but he says it so well. A generation of Christians reared among push buttons and automatic machines is impatient of slower and less direct methods of reaching their goals. We have been trying to apply machine age methods to our relationship with God. The tragic results of this spirit are all about us. Shallow lives, salesmanship methods, mistaking dynamic personality for the power of the spirit, etc. We have all contributed directly or indirectly to this sad state of affairs. We have been too blind to see it, too timid to speak out, or too self-satisfied to desire anything better than the poor average diet with which one another appears satisfied. To put it differently, we have accepted one another's notions, copied one another's lives, and made one another's experiences the model for our own. And this is the reason for the downward trend of our generation. He says, it will require a determined heart and more than a little courage to wrench ourselves loose from the grip of our times and return to biblical ways, but it can be done. Every now and then in the past, Christians have had to do it. History has recorded several large-scale returns led by such men as Luther, Whitfield, Jonathan Edwards, and more. What God and His sovereignty may yet do on a world scale, I do not claim to know. Basically, Tozer is saying, "I don't know if God's going to change the whole world, but He does know this: an individual who seeks His, who seeks God's face. I believe I do know, and I, I can tell others about. Let any man turn to God in earnest, as we are attempting to do here. By the way. Let him begin to exercise himself unto godliness, obedience, and humility, and the results will exceed anything he may have hoped in his leaner and weaker days. Basically, he's saying that you cannot apply push-button automatic machine age methods to this business of the kingdom. It can't be done. We can't click here and, uh, and, and, and have the church grow. It doesn't work that way. You have to go up to the mountain bring the wood and build the house the encouragement that i want to leave with you is simply this in verse 12 it says all these men Zerubbabel Joshua the high priest and the remnant of the people they what they obeyed the voice of the lord their god that's a really wonderful pivot they obeyed and then what happened in verse 14 the lord stirred the spirit of these individuals, Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the remnant of the people. He stirred their spirit, and the work was done. And then, in chapter 2, verse 19, what does it say? It says, the very last sentence, it says, From this day will I bless you. There is a day in God's calendar when the blessing will come. If you read this chapter, you see, you know, it says, uh, on this day, on this month, in this year. It makes note of the date. And that's because there is a day in God's calendar. There will be a day that will come, that will come, I pray, in our own lives, in our own calendars, where God will say, from this day forward will I bless you. Amen.